Now, once again, with today's Carolina Newsmakers, here's Don Curtis. Welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. Our guest is Tom Campbell, former executive producer and creator and moderator of North Carolina Spin, now semi-retired and still, though, a keen observer of what's going on in politics and state government. We'd like to have Tom's viewpoint and, uh, uh, in many cases, explanation of what what the heck's going on. Uh, So let's turn to the the federal government. And, uh, you know, one of the things I guess, Tom, we can all say is that in March of 2020, I I guess we were all in March and April of last year, we all thought we would be in far worse shape than we are today. We are in far better shape than I think even the most optimistic folks thought we might be uh, last April or May. So things have turned out somewhat better. The economy is returning. Uh, unemployment is on one hand still high, on the other hand, <laughs> uh, people can't find anybody to work. Uh, so let's let's look at uh, federal government and what it needs to do under the new administration. Donald Trump, of course, uh, is still on the sidelines and, and has been relatively quiet. Uh, so I'd just like your sort of overview of where we stand, uh, the first uh, part of the Biden administration, and also uh, maybe the future of Donald Trump and the GOP. Well, as you know, I have, I have not been a Donald Trump fan or supporter. Um, I, I found it interesting that, uh, who was it? New York times or somebody uh, did a poll showing that he was one of the most least popular presidents in the history of, of our nation. He ranked 41st out of, I think the 44, uh, 45 presidents. Uh, but let's, let's do give him credit. Uh, Operation Warp Speed, his efforts to, to fast track the development of vaccines uh, has paid for itself and, and has saved many lives. Uh, and Now, he had no plans for how to distribute it, but the fact that he got all of these pharmaceutical companies tuned into the same page looking for the same uh, answers I think uh, is probably going to be the lasting contribution uh, that he made. I think he's yesterday's news. Uh, I, I think that uh, there are still an awful lot of, of people who fear him to the extent that they rubber stamp stuff. I don't know whether you saw the interview that uh, uh, former Attorney General Barr did with, uh, and he basically said, uh, with Jonathan Carl saying, hey, uh, we, we all knew that this was BS. We all knew that this election hadn't been stolen. But I'll tell you, I'm, a, I'm amazed that I continue to see uh, bumper stickers and signs saying Trump won. Uh, I don't know how his supporters think that's going to turn out, but, I, I, you know, there's still an awful lot of people that feel that way. And frankly, it does not bode well, I don't think, uh, for the future of this country. I think we have opened up into an era where whoever wins whatever elections, they're going to be contested. They're going to be lawsuits. They're going to be bad feelings uh, and further divisions within this country at a time when I think that we probably need uh, more unity than we have in a long time. But to the point that you made originally, and this is this is my column this week, and I'll, I'll give myself a little unabashed uh, uh, pat on the back here. This business of unemployment, uh, 
I, I tell the story about a guy in North Carolina, and you would know uh, the, the store and probably the owner that I'm talking about, uh, who a friend of his walked in one day and he's bagging ice. Owner of the store, bagging ice. And his friend said, what in the world is the owner of the store doing bagging ice? And he said, well, we got this guy who's supposed to come in early every day and bag the ice so that uh, hunters and fishermen that are going out uh, early in the morning will have fresh ice. And he said, but this guy likes to drink a lot. And there are a lot of occasions where he gets hung over and the next day he either doesn't show up or he's very, very late. And he said, well, why don't you fire them? Why don't you fire him? He said, man, I thought about that. But then who's going to bag the ice? Well, it, it's that type of situation uh, going on in this country today where people, uh, employers are looking for employees, but the employees aren't ready to go back to pre-COVID type conditions. Um, the Bureau of Labor Statistics, and, and I'm quoting this from my column, uh, said that more people quit their jobs in April this year than any other period since they started keeping records. Five out of every 100 workers in hotels, restaurants, bars, and retail quit. Not only that, but it's just not low-paying jobs. Um, and the professional uh, sectors also, four in 10 employees are saying that they've considered uh, quitting or dropping out. More than 700,000 workers in the white-collar categories left in April. This is the biggest, the, the biggest exodus we've seen uh, in our lifetime. Uh, and a lot of people think that, well, uh, it's just because they're getting all these subsidies from the federal government. This $300 a week um, unemployment benefit that they're getting, when that goes away in early September, people are going to flood back to work. I'm not so sure about that, Don. I think there's a bit of a revolution taking place in this country. I think people had an opportunity to stay home, to work in their pajamas and attend meetings uh, on Zoom and, and spend some time with their families and not live in quite so hectic a pace. And uh, I think a lot of people enjoyed that and say, wait a minute. In fact, there was a survey that was done in, in, in Raleigh-Durham uh, back in April, I think, or May. 57% of the, the workers that they interviewed said they want to continue to be able to have control over how, when, and where they get their work done. They want to continue staying home. Now, the CEO of Morgan Stanley <laughs> recently told his employees, show up to work in September or else. Or else but, what? Yeah. I mean, and of course, the other thing that's going on at the same time, it's part of the same problem, is the supply chain. For example, yeah. uh, our company publishes, uh, or they're supposed to publish, uh, preseason football and basketball books for the ACC, the ACC football uh, right. edition. Well, uh, last year, of course, we we suspended publication because in, in September, we I mean, in June and July, we didn't even know if there was going to be a football season. But this year, we are ready to go back to work. So we call up our printer, and our printer says, I've got enough paper to supply half of what you need. Yeah. I don't have – now, this is paper. 
Yeah. And of course, the supply chain goes beyond that. Automobile dealers, of course, are finding it difficult to get new cars on their lot because of a shortage of computer chips. Uh, and, so the and, supply and chain. Used, ca- used cars are selling for prices that are higher than they got when they were new. Yeah, uh, because the supply chain problem is, uh, and you know, I guess we're all, we all know that it will be fulfilled, but the question gets to be when. I don't think there's any. So I think there's some interesting dynamics that are taking place right now. Uh, If you look at it, if you look at what's taking place, workers' wages are going up. Now, you know, there was this hue and cry about passing, increasing the minimum wage. I think a lot of workers are figuring out that ain't going to happen. It hasn't happened. It's not going to happen. But they have more bargaining power than I think they thought they had prior to the pandemic. And so I think a lot of people are just holding out saying, hey, look, you want me to go back to that same job I had before? You're going to pay me more for it. I'm looking at a situation where uh, it was just released a couple of weeks ago that the average corporate executives, the top execs, are making 227 times as much money as the average median employee pays. We're looking at a stock market that's recorded record highs in recent months. We're going to have supposedly a GDP gain around 7%. I think a lot of people are saying, hey, wait a minute. I want to share in the good times too. Well, it, it, all of that's, yeah, and of course, all of these things a year ago in last April, May, we, we were all concerned about things like 401k plans and things oh, like yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're, I guess we're just very fortunate that none of this really happened because that could have caused considerable pain and considerable concern, considerable anxiety that uh, uh, that part, at least, we missed. And uh, so we have blessings and we have curses out of this whole situation. We also have a situation where uh, many people have found out that they can work remotely just as successfully. Uh, and so this may change the uh, amount of office space that uh, companies require and so forth. Uh, I don't think anything is ever going to beat face-to-face, but by the same token, uh, I know I uh, spend more time in my home office now than I did, and I actually get more done. There's no question about it. And, and the other part of it is you're able to kind of parse out when you do that work. I mean, so it might be that you get up now earlier in the morning and get to it, and, and work for a couple of hours. and then it might, it might be, but it's not likely. Well, not in your case. You're not an early riser. Uh, but, but I mean, so far, as, so far as a lot of these folks are concerned, they're finding out, hey, I can take an hour and a half lunch break and have dinner. I can have lunch with my family. Yeah. And, and guess what? I'm enjoying that. I like that. I, I, think, I think there is a, an element. I, we're going to see more office space come on the market, I think. Uh, than than we've had in the past because of this. And more people are going to be working from home. And you're going to see a bigger exodus from the big major markets like New York. Uh, People are going to find out there is a better and more collegial lifestyle somewhere else that uh, they can enjoy. Exactly. uh, And get things done. I think you're going to see a big big amount of office space in New York available. Well, I think this too. I think this is going to be a boom for... Uh, rural areas of our state. I think people are going to say, hey, I don't have to work in Raleigh. Okay, they want me there one day a week or maybe even two days a week. 
But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to move to Bailey or I'm going to move to Johnson County or I'm going to move, you know, to Harnett County. And I'm going to I want to live where it's cheaper to live. The pace is less. There's not as much traffic. Schools are pretty good. I can send my kids there. The, the whole the whole structure of this. And so I guess where I come out on this is the remaining part of this year is going to be really interesting to see how a lot of these variables sort out. Tom, uh, we've got about a minute uh, and a half for you to, to give me your answer on this. So what kind of grades would you give uh, President Biden for his the first four or five months of his administration or the first half year actually now of his administration? I think I'd give him a B. Um, first of all, candidly, anybody who wasn't Donald Trump was going to have an advantage because I think the public was tired of the bombastic, sarcastic, uh, us versus them kind of, of mentality that was going on in the White House. I think they were ready for things to calm down a little bit. I think Biden has done a good job of that. Uh, I think he has obviously probably had more experience than just about anybody we ever elected president before. I mean, between his Senate experience and vice presidential experience, I think in general, he's handled things fairly well. I think there have been some cases where um, he, he has uh, put his foot in his mouth and, and uh, has had to backtrack on some things. I think that he was successful in getting this major infrastructure bill across. Uh, I think it's going to, I mean, the, the relief bill, I think it's going to be interesting whether he can get infrastructure done or not. Well, and that, by the way, that is uh, the top of my list to discuss in the next segment of Carolina Newsmakers, our last segment with Tom Campbell. We will be talking about infrastructure and we'll also be talking about legislation that is uh, also under consideration by Congress in other areas as well. And we'll do that when we return with the next segment of Carolina Newsmakers with our guest, Tom Campbell, former uh, uh, creator and moderator of North Carolina Spin. So you stay tuned. The Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council present the story of Tom and Levi. Tom is the smartest man I know. He's been a professor at two major universities, been a teacher for over 40 years. One day, he told me that he was having um, problems in his classes. I think one of the students had asked the question and he didn't remember the answer. And I also noticed that he was letting his class out earlier than they were supposed to let out. And he was telling them that he was doing it as a favor to them. But I think in reality, he just wanted to get out of there. Um, I was really starting to worry because I saw something was wrong. Levi and I talked about how it would change our lives, but he was there beside me. And my love for him was just immense. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. Hey, hon, what you doing with your phone? Taking pictures? No, I'm asking questions. Like what? Hey, Bobo, do flowers have best friends? I'm sorry, I'm afraid I don't know that. Hey, follow me. I want to show you something. Look, flowers do have best friends. Whoa. Some answers can only be found in nature. Discover the unsearchable. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a trail near you. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. Carolina Newsmakers continues, and once again, here's Don Curtis. 
We're back with Tom Campbell here on Carolina Newsmakers. Tom, of course, the uh, uh, just ended a 22-year run with North Carolina Spin. North Carolina Spin was a, f- a feature of uh, UNC TV for uh, for the majority of that time. And uh, as I said, he, uh, back when he had good sense, was a broadcaster. Uh, and now he's uh, almost totally useless. <laughs> he's retired. At least that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Uh, Tom, uh, uh, we, we uh, do still, of course, value your opinion because we know you're still writing a weekly column and uh, keeping up with things. And one of the things we wanted to talk about in this segment is the proposed infrastructure plan. Uh, we talked about the fact that North Carolina government is flush with money, not only from its own resources, but also the, the huge amount of federal money that's coming in. Let's talk about the infrastructure plan that is up. What will it mean to North Carolina and uh, what are its prospects of of total passage and and implementation? Well, I think that the fact that the infrastructure across this country is in as bad a shape as it is, is a testimony to what's going on in in our country and our Congress. Uh, The fact that we can't get people, you know, it used to be, that passing an infrastructure bill was almost a no-brainer. Everybody wanted to sign on to that bill because it meant roads and highways and water systems and rail transportation and so forth back home in their districts, and they could go home and brag about all this. It has become so partisan and so political today that we haven't really been able to address it. And uh, we are way, way behind in this country insofar as our infrastructure is concerned and and desperately need to do something uh, about public uh, facilities. Now, um, does it need to be a trillion, two trillion? Does it need to be 800 million? What is it? I don't know. Uh, My hope is uh, that it will get through. The problem that I see is it's become so partisan. Uh, Mitch McConnell has essentially said, Anything that Biden's for, I'm against. Um, well, you know, that's not, that's not a good thing. Well, the, the Democrats, on the other hand, are saying, okay, we're going we're gonna to design this thing in such a way that we've got this infrastructure bill, but then we're going to attach to it uh, a bill which doesn't require uh, a passage uh, in the Senate by 60 votes. It just requires one more than half. Well, that means all they got to do is get one Republican uh, on board and keep all their Democrats, which by the way, I'm not totally sure that they can do, but we do need the infrastructure. We, it would be good. Uh, for instance, uh, North Carolina stands to benefit uh, from federal highway money, bridge money. Uh, we also stand to benefit from Amtrak, I think that a lot of people have, you know, I think we, we had this mistaken belief that federal transportation, like rails, passenger rail service, had to pay for itself. Well, guess what? There are lots of federal uh, items that don't pay for themselves and they're never going to pay for themselves. And so I, I think we just need to understand that uh, to take congestion off some of our highways, uh, to improve traffic safety and passenger safety. Uh, we need to do some of these things uh, for uh, the public good. This is where I think using pub, uh, tax money for public good uh, 
makes some sense. Um, so I, my hope is that it will get passed. Uh, I'm, I'm not wrapped around the axles, and I don't think the president is either, uh, as how big it has to be. Uh, but I'm, I'm hoping that uh, we can get this done. Now, if that happens, uh, I don't think there's any question about the fact that Democrats are going to call it a big victory. Uh, if it doesn't happen, by the way, and if, if Republicans don't vote for it in the Senate particularly, uh, then you're going to see a lot of challenges in 2022 and 24 uh, from candidates on the other side saying, hey, your representative didn't vote to improve your roads. Your representative didn't vote to improve your bridges and so forth like that. Again, it, it's, it's a, a picture of what's going on in this country today, and I think it's unhealthy. Here's a, here's a concern I've got about it. Now, I, I, I totally agree with you. We, we, we should have been tending more to infrastructure for a long time. Um, but one of the concerns I've got right now is we're having hard enough time in, in private business finding employees. How are we going to find people to do the work for all this stuff that we're going to buy? All these new things are going to be, are we going to be able to find people to do the job? Yes. Uh, I mean, that's, that's, I mean, the, the amount of money that this pumps into the economy is also uh, uh, of interest because somebody's going to have to do that work. Somebody. Yeah. Uh, that, We're going to find those people done. Yeah. But let me say this employers are going to have to pay more than they're paying now. Well, that, that goes without saying. And of course, now that brings, what that, that, that means brings is, up, that brings the prospect of inflation up. Well, it brings inflation up, but it also brings up uh, the need for a lot of businesses to become more efficient in their operation. I think you're going to see a lot more automation. I mean, I think you're, the day is coming. McDonald's has been playing around with this. Other, other places are too. The day is coming when you order your hamburger from a machine in the lobby, not from somebody behind the counter. Uh, the day is coming. It's partially here already where your accounting work gets done by machines, by automation, rather than totally by, by humans. There may be a human supervising it, uh, but we're going to see a lot more automation and efficiency and productivity. By the way, productivity is up in, in America. I mean, even with this pandemic, uh, the, the uh, productivity of America has improved uh, in recent years. So I think that's going to be part of it. Part of it is going to be... Um, businesses, and I'm thinking particularly about smaller businesses. I'm thinking about the kind of business that I used to have, uh, where frankly, there wasn't always a heck of a lot of money there to pay anybody, much less me. And uh, I, I think we're going to have to learn how to be more efficient so that we can stay in business and still remain profitable. I, I believe very firmly you've got to be profitable in order to be able to continue the, the operation. But I think at the same time, uh, we're going to have to get smarter and better. And I, I think ultimately, we got to understand we'll have to pay more. I think when that happens, you're going to see a lot of these people that have been sitting on the couch come back to work. The one thing that uh, has been very interesting to me as far as bipartisanship, and that has been both on the state level and the federal level, is the the keen interest in extending broadband, because I think both parties apparently see the advantage of, uh, of what the broadband can do in uh, not only medical care, but also in uh, economic development. Uh, 
in uh, depressed areas. So broadband seems to be one area that, uh, especially on the state level, that everyone can agree this is a priority. You put your finger on something that is, is vitally important. One of the things that happened during COVID was the increase in the amount of telemedicine that is going on. Uh, the, the truth of the matter is that there are an awful lot of these rural areas that are never going to be able to have hospitals again. They're not going to be able to afford to have uh, big uh, medical staffs who, who live there and work there. Telemedicine is going to be important. I, I, think, I think that what you're saying, and I agree with it totally, is you can't do business. You can't be uh, an astute consumer. You can't live today without broadband, high-speed internet broadband. It is the same today as it was for rural electric back in the 20s and 30s. Uh, of the last century. And I think that people are coming to that realization. And I think that the days of having uh, universal broadband uh, available uh, is fast here. Well, as I said, that, that seems to be something that uh, is a bipartisan issue and, and uh, uh, is certainly going to be uh, uh, a part of any infrastructure bill or infrastructure budgeting whether it's part of the infrastructure plan or a separate plan on its own, it's something that uh, appears to be well on its way. Well, Tom, we've got uh, about uh, about uh, three minutes left. So what should we be watching for over the next uh, 30 to 60 days? Uh, let's first take the state side, and then we'll, if we have time, we'll look at uh, what we should look at on the federal level. But to start with the state level, what, what do you expect to happen in the next 30 to 60 days? Well, I think that we're going to continue this economic expansion. I think prosperity is going to continue. North Carolina is going to continue to have population growth. We are still a very attractive state uh, with all the life sciences plants uh, that are announcing and coming into our state with big uh, uh, whales, as they used to call them in economic development, like Apple and Amazon and, and, and companies like that locating in North Carolina, I, I see a very bright prospect for our future. And I, I hope that we will have leadership that will be willing to uh, expand education and infrastructure uh, and, and the, the things that we need in order to be able to meet those. I think the country is also going to have this. I think we're going to see pockets where uh, it's going to be brighter than it is uh, in other areas. Uh, I think that we're going to continue to see the divisive polarization uh, of politics. I, I'm very concerned for that. Uh, I'm very concerned about the media business. I think that people like Radio stations and local newspapers are vitally important to the future of our country, being able to provide good information for folks. And I worry about that because I'm seeing too many uh, demises uh, or deaths of, of uh, once viable uh, media voices. But I think that the country will continue in a lot of what's going on. I think politically, uh, in all probability, uh, Joe Biden is going to continue to maintain a fair degree of popularity. It's what now, 56%. That's higher than Donald Trump ever had in his best days. So I think we're going to continue to see that for a while. I think the 22 elections are going to be very interesting and very important for the future of the country. 
Well, uh, we didn't even get to talk about that because uh, we talked about redistricting, but uh, the uh, the razor thin margin of the Republican Party and the Democratic uh, and the democratically controlled Senate uh, could very easily change uh, in the midterm election. Very and easily. So, so next time you're on with us, we probably should spend a little bit of time talking about that. I don't have enough time to start another uh, question with you, but uh, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts with us. Tom Campbell, the uh, former moderator of North Carolina Spin that, as we said, ran for 22 years on the air, most recently on WUNC-TV, or now North Carolina Public Television. Uh, our program has been produced by Jason Kong, and he'll have another interesting guest for us next week on the same group of stations. So until next week, uh, we remind you that you can get in touch with us at, at uh, carolinanewsmakers.com. Have a good week, everybody. Carolina Newsmakers is a production of NCN and is heard each week on a network of North Carolina's leading radio stations. To hear a repeat of this broadcast, go to carolinanewsmakers.com. Carolina Newsmakers is produced by Jason Kong. Network engineer is Alan Sherrill. I'm Scott Fitzgerald inviting you to join us again next week, same time, for Carolina Newsmakers. Newsmakers.